you one more time make Bishop Jerry Dean feel welcome at Eastwind. We love you in Jesus' name. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good. I like singing this song because I have it memorized. God. Don't say it unless you mean it. Felt the Holy Ghost come in right that one more time. one more time to him tonight shout shout to him with a voice try it oh yes you may be seated nobody ever asked me to sing so when I get to pulpit I just sing sometimes let me walk with you, Jesus. We shouldn't throw away all these songs. Don't ever leave me alone. Far without you, I could never. No, never make heaven. Did I get one y'all didn't know? Raise it up a little bit. I've been on the mountain with Jesus. I've been in the valley below. But not one time has He failed me. Went to Him with my troubles. I go 
Let me walk with you, Jesus. Don't ever leave me alone. For without you I could never. No, never. Can I do that verse one more time? I've been on the mountain with Jesus. And I've been in the valley. You ever been there? But not one time has He failed me. Went to Him with my troubles. I go. Bishop Meyer, I got a little older, you know. I don't like getting old. But I'm not wild about the option either. But I went to a nursing home for a party for Travis Duncan. He was one of our members. He turned 90 years old. And I went into the nursing home, and they had a little private party in, in the kitchen area or the dining room, and they had it roped off. And here comes this lady in a motorized wheelchair. She comes up and takes apart the little barrier they had and pulls up to me and sticks her hand out and introduces herself to me. I said, ma'am, my name is Jerry Dean. She looked at me and said, Mr. Dean, I've been here eight years. You're going to love it here. I hope she wasn't a prophet. But you know, as you get older, I don't know how to explain it. Just keep falling in love with Jesus. I'm like, I want to know Him. I want to hold His hand. I want to, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like there's so much about Him. I wish I knew. Can't wait to see Him. I can't wait to see Him. Falling in love with Jesus. This may be my message. You better get to enjoying it. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. I got one y'all knew, didn't I? Hallelujah. Falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. Raise it up a little bit for me. In His arms, I feel protected. In His arms, never disappear. 
connected in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather rather be hey falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever ever done I got that dreaded phone call in June of 2020 when my urologist called me and told me my biopsy was positive that I had cancer I don't ever remember being afraid because in his arms and I don't have cancer today and I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for it in his arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather rather be one more time falling in love Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever He's sweet, I know. Yes, He's sweet, I know. <laughs> Strong, when clouds may rise, and strong winds may blow. God, any Jamaican friends with me tonight? I'll tell the world wherever. I go that I've found the Savior and He's sweet I know. Sing it with me now. He's sweet I know. He's sweet I know. Storm clouds may rise and strong winds may blow but I'll tell the world wherever I go that I found me a savior and he's and I'll tell the world I'll tell the world Wherever I go, that I found a Savior. 
Somebody better pray for me. I'm. Somebody better help me out now. I'm something going over and over and over in my soul. Hey, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this. That's too high. Sit down. Lose my mind here, please. He lowered it down. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. No none go with me, yet still I'll follow. No none go with me, yet still I'll follow. friends out of every long timer in the building right there. Amen. That's my second highest complaint at home. My number one highest complaint is it's too loud. My second highest complaint is I don't like the new songs. Never had anybody worried about baptizing people. Never had anybody come to the pastor. I'm a little worried we hadn't been baptizing anybody. Never had anybody do that. Anybody say, we don't have any prayer meetings around here. It's just too loud. We don't sing enough of my songs. You know, I can say what I want to say. I just say stuff that I shouldn't say and don't use any tact. And I just cut some of you right there. Just kicked you. You won't listen to nothing else I say because you're guilty. (laughs) 
Jesus said in Matthew, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. Whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And here's my verse. Whoever, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Y'all know twain means two, right? So if they compel you to go a mile, go two. For just a few minutes before we do communion, I want to talk to you about the miracle mile. The first mile is not the miracle mile. It's your reasonable service. Offer your body as a living sacrifice unto God. Holy and acceptable, Paul. It's your reasonable service. Reasonable. The first mile was a Roman law. If a Roman soldier, and I know you know this, but let's rehearse it again. It is believed that they probably took this from the Persians. But if a Roman soldier stopped by, regardless of what you were doing, he could command you to carry all of his gear. And they say a Roman's gear could weigh around 66 pounds. He could command you or compel you to take his load for one mile. And even as we have mile markers on the interstate, on the Roman roads, they had mile markers for that purpose. And it was standard procedure that no Jewish man would go one foot further than he had to go until Jesus came. And Jesus said, if they compel you to go one mile, go two miles. They're not used to that. They're used to the scowls and the fussing and the griping and and the people complaining about what they're having to do. So why don't you just go another mile? The second mile is the miracle mile. Amen. Amen. The religious Jews wouldn't have gone two miles. I don't know what I would have done, but what I understand is that Jesus was introducing a new way of living, a higher law. If they sue you for your coat, give him your cloak. I know what's been said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, the bare minimum, but Jesus raised the bar, didn't he? Amen? The law of the first mile was for the Jews. When you walked that first mile, you were a slave to the Roman Empire. But when you walked the second mile, you were a servant of the Most High God. You see, the first mile is the half-to mile. The second mile is the smile mile. Amen. The sacrifice that Paul mentioned in Romans 12 and 1, the living sacrifice. Because of the mercies of God, he said, 
I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable service. The first mile then would be the trial mile. The second mile, that's my smile mile. The first mile is law. The second mile is love. Amen. A love slave in the Old Testament was easily identifiable because he had a hole in his ear. Everybody could see it. He was set free either in the year of Jubilee or when those seven years were finished. He could have gone free, but he said, I'm happy here with my master. My family loves it here. He chose to be a, a slave. They put his ear up against a pole and took an awl, and they drove a hole in it. I would kind of like for somebody to know I'm in love with Jesus, that I'm willing to go an extra mile. The end of the first mile, the Jewish person would say, if you don't mind, since I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'd like to carry your pack another mile. Can you imagine how shocked they would have been? There's no record of anybody ever doing this. They don't give medals of honor to a military man who gives minimum service. They give medals of honor and other medals to men and women who go the second mile. They go the miracle mile. They do more than is required of them. They want to give a little extra more. You know the word Christian is only used in the New Testament three times, but the word disciple is used 269 times in the New Testament. A true disciple of Jesus understands the second mile. I'm not just going to give my tithe. I'm going to give an offering. That's the miracle mile when you say, let's go beyond the minimum requirement. The man who understands that it's a law and a statue in Israel, according to Psalm 84, to praise and worship God. But there are some people that's not satisfied just to do the bare minimum. They want to go a little further and worship Him a little longer and praise Him a little more. And I imagine a man talking to his little sweet feet, little sweet bride that he wants to marry and getting down on his knees and looking up in her glassy eyes and saying, what is the bare minimum I can do to get you to marry me? I have a word of advice if that ever happens to any of you young ladies. You have my permission, not your pastor's. You have my permission to slap him. I would love to marry you. I would love to marry you. But I don't want to be all in. What's the bare minimum? How many days a week would you be okay for me to play golf? 
need to know what I can just get by with, you know. It's interesting to note that there's no place in the New Testament where Jesus ever talked about minimums on being saved. You see, salvation is not a diploma. Salvation is a birth certificate. Salvation is not the finish line. Salvation is the starting blocks. Salvation isn't about you getting into heaven as much as it's about heaven getting into you. The first mile shows us really what's in our heart. The resentment, the anger, the selfishness the rage and the and the prejudice but you know what when you start growing up in Christ and the word starts prevailing in you you go that second mile and you say what else can I do for the kingdom today I've done what you've asked me to do is there something else if you want minimum results stay in the minimum lane don't walk the second mile take the easy road if that's all you want but if you want everything possible that you can get from God. You gotta remember the miracle mile is the second mile when you go beyond the call of duty. The Bible said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder. I told the men over there at the conference, they started singing this crazy song at our church said, I don't want your blessing, I want you. Well, all, all the singers, and God love them, they, they got around me and they were explaining to me, this is a love song, you know, you don't have to give me anything. I just, I said, but it's not Bible. Of course, we sing a lot of stuff that ain't Bible. See, that's why my wife prayed for me to have a clean mouth this morning. I made them change the words. I want his blessing. I want his blessing. I've had his blessing. I have, oh, oh, I've had his blessing. I'm talking about some serious blessings. So I made him change the word. And, and well, actually they were forced to because I was singing louder than anybody up at the front. And they were singing, I don't want blessings, I want you. And I was singing to the top of my old country voice, I want your blessings! They finally changed the word. Half-hearted commitments only lead to frustration and mediocrity. That's why there's divorces everywhere in our nation. Because nobody's willing to go the second mile. It's not enough for me just to say, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with folks who do. That's what they used to say when I was a kid growing up. Half-hearted commitments lead to frustration and they lead to mediocrity. When I read my Bible, I don't see anything that even resembles mediocrity in my Bible. The people who live mediocre lives are the people who fell by the wayside. I don't. I want to go another mile. I want to go the second mile. Can you help me preach right now? I read one time in a book that you don't have to decide what your future will be. Your daily habits are determining your future. And they have eternal consequences. Don't 
bury your talent in the sand. Don't put it in there and act like you're afraid. No, you pick that talent up and I'm going to do You know what? The first mile is church attendance. The second mile is my willingness to run to that altar into the birthing room and help somebody else get deliverance. The first mile is just being faithful to church. The second mile is making sure I never miss a prayer meeting. The first mile is just giving a little patty cake hand clap to the Lord. The second mile is to clap my hands longer and louder than anybody else. I I want to go beyond that reasonable service. I grew up in the home, I know you guys don't know me, but I grew up in the home of a mom and dad who gave it all up. Security. A brand new home. My mom and dad used to say, a brick home. Because that was a big deal in the late 50s. We lived in a brick home. And they cashed it all in, four boys and one on the way. Took a little church that nobody wanted. Brother Hush, the man that brought him into the oneness, uh, the oneness doctrine called him and he said, Bill, I can't get anybody to take this church down in McGregor, Texas. It was just a house. It was just a house and they'd knock the walls out of it. Daddy used to tell me he'd take up an offering. He'd say, son, the offering plate come in just like it went out. Wouldn't have a penny in it. He would take people out to a ranch out in uh, the uh, in Central Texas and baptize them. We have some of those old eight millimeter videos, and Daddy's out there, and they would stick a stick down in the water. That's when he got so deep, so you didn't get out too deep to baptize somebody. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. This is what I grew up in. I grew up in this business. I mean, literally, and. He, he found that place and called the lady down the ranch and said, do you mind? He said, you've got this gravel pit, beautiful water, and little river flowing. Do you mind if I go out and baptize? No, you come on out. You know who owns that place today? President George Bush. Yeah, that's, that's the ranch he's living on. He don't know people were baptized in Jesus' name on that ranch. So I grew up in that home where nothing else mattered. No, nothing else mattered. Oh, glory to God. I'm fixing to wind this thing down, but I'm going to hit you pretty hard before I do. We didn't eat ice cream in our house. We ate some stuff they call melarine. You don't even know what melarine is. Melarine's about the cheapest. Uh, it's not ice cream. It just kind of looked like ice cream. It tasted more like the cardboard box it was in than it did ice cream. You know what we did have in our home? We had a whole lot of Holy Ghost. And I had a mom and dad that never looked back. They never questioned. He went back to where he left his job in Tyler, Texas. And the boys, he was working. Bill, if you would have stayed here, you know, you'd have been worth this much money and the profit sharing, and I'm worth this much money. That never phased my dad. He wasn't in this for that. He went the second mile. He wanted to be a preacher. He wanted to be used of God. He made a commitment to God on a battlefield. If you'll get me home, I'll do whatever I have to do to serve you. And I grew up in that in that environment of people who sacrificed. My wife's mother and dad went to college. 
Colorado way back in, in the late 50s and were church planters with another man. Then they planted their own church. They knew what the second mile was like. Working two jobs just to pay the bills and keep the lights on at the little church that they built. Just trying to do something for, for somebody else really is all they were doing. My wife was 12 years old when she got on a, on a Greyhound bus and went like a whole day, 24 hours or something, just so she could go to a youth camp and be with some other people. You know, it bugs me when people come in with a little whiny, like pity party. I don't deal well with that stuff. I quit counseling people. I don't have, you've got counselors here in the church. Call them. I used to try to marriage counsel. They'd come in here, I'd try to marriage counsel them. Everybody I counsel for marriage got a divorce. I'm not lying. I one day got to look around on my walls. I didn't have any diplomas on my wall. I didn't take a course in Bible school on how to talk people out and getting them into a better marriage. I do marriage counseling. I meet with them one time. I have two points. I added a third one, actually, but my first two points for years was just, number one, quit being selfish. Number two, shut up. I'll take care of it. I didn't learn that in college. Yeah, but people's got all kinds. See, I'm not qualified when they got all this background and anger and resentment and all this stuff. So I added, stay full of the Holy Ghost. That'll take care of a lot of your problems. This had nothing to do with my sermon. God, clean up my mouth. Hear my wife's prayer right now and clean up my mouth. we got to do communion tonight, and I'm going to have to ask God to forgive me before I can do communion. We'd eat that old terrible ice cream, and we just, my mother, you know, I remember we used to have spam. Spam. Do you even know what spam is? You know, spam really isn't all that bad. I don't have a clue what's in it. I know when you put it in the oven and pull it out, it's about half the size it was when it went in. You slap that on some bread. Well, our, our primary, our primary sandwich meat was bologna. If mother brought chopped ham home or some kind of ham, we thought they'd had a good week in the tithing department, man. Then they, every once in a while, she'd bring ham home with cheese. That's the world I grew up in. You know what we had in our home? We had prayer meetings. We had people who loved God. We had people who were sold out, who understood the word sacrifice, who gave it all up for this. I, I, I lived in a home of people who knew what that miracle mile was like. And I lived to watch the Lord pour out a Holy Ghost apostolic revival in my mother and father's church until in his Bible... The last eight years of his ministry, he wrote the name down of every man and every woman he baptized in the day. And he gave me that Bible. There's 892 names in the last 11 years of his ministry. Somebody told me this morning that my daddy baptized his daddy in that church. Let me tell you, I want to know what that second mile's like. That's where the miracle mile is. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord? I'm going to get a drink. Mm. Now, 
ministry is being done today by the church for the church. We continue to carry water to the river instead of to the desert. We have this idea of churches about me. Brother Howe was in El Salvador. He built a phenomenal church over there. First place where Brother Cole went and had more people get the Holy Ghost in one service and got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. But Brother Howe had a rule in his church. If they got to church and they didn't have any guests, he dismissed church. He said, you go out to the highways and byways and find some people that need God and bring them back. We'll have church. And they live that way. You know, I don't want to just live my life saying I'm going to just stay rapture ready just as long as I'm rapture ready. Hmm. I'm asking questions like, is this a heaven or hell issue? Am I sounding like a pastor? That's because that's all I've ever done. Start ask, Stop asking those ignorant questions. Can I do this and get to still go to heaven? If I do this, is it going to send me to hell? What a dumb question. You need to fall in love with Jesus. You need to fall in love with Jesus. You ought to be saying, you ought to be saying, God, would it, would it displease you if I did this? How would this make you feel? That's what you ought to be saying. You ought to be falling in love with Him. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I've always wondered what would happen if the majority of our ministry happened outside the walls of the church. I'm not saying we're doing this at home. I'm trying to keep people happy too. Change more diapers than I can count on 48 and 50 year old people. Well, not literally, but you know what I mean. Pat them on the back. Come on, Sally. Come on, don't, you know, you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. I know she talked about you, but it'll be all right. Come on, come on. Oh, preachers get tired of that junk. Preachers get tired of that junk. You know what? This is more than a destination. This is a journey. This is a journey. I met Steve Natton at a funeral. His father, it really wasn't his father-in-law. I didn't know that. He, he was living with a backslider. And he came to Brother Sarge's funeral. I had never seen Steve. Saw him at the hospital first when Brother Sarge died. Loved man, a beloved man in our church. And so we were after the funeral. I said, hey, I just met him. I said, Steve... You know, where do you go to church? I don't go to church, really. He said, I grew up. And he named the denominations, but I don't go to church. I'll be honest with you. He said, why don't you come with your family? You know, a lot of the family's still here. Come with your family. I, he said, you know what? I may do that. He walked in Sunday morning and came back the next Sunday. I didn't know the guy. I didn't know he was an alcoholic. I didn't know he drank every night and two cases every weekend. I didn't know that. I didn't know he wasn't married to the girl. He was just living with her. And I didn't know any of that. I didn't know he had tried for years to get off cigarettes, couldn't quit. He was a chain smoker, smoked several, three packs a day, I believe he told me. I didn't know it. Second week, he meandered down to the altar. I went and said, Steve, can I pray with you? He said, you can. I said, do you have, have you ever received the Holy Ghost? He said, yes, sir. 
Well, I knew he was lying, but I didn't want to tell him right there in the altar he was lying because I knew what he meant. Somebody told him when he accepted the Lord, he got the Holy Ghost. And so he came another week, and I said, how about us getting a Bible study going? And I got a Bible study going. It took me eight months. Eight months we'd get through. I taught, I taught everything I had. I was digging up stuff to teach. And he started coming on Wednesday night. We do a handout on Wednesday night. He's sticking them in his Bible. His Bible's getting thicker and thicker and thicker. I'm like, this guy's listening to me, but he ain't doing what I'm asking him to do. And after eight months, one week, I said, Steve, you got any questions today? He said, I got two things, Pastor. He said, number one, I told you that day I went to the altar that I had the Holy Ghost. He said, you showed me in the Bible. I don't have the Holy Ghost. I said, yeah, yep, I knew that. He said, the next thing is, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You see, I didn't know all this stuff was going on in his life. Steve got in the church. Steve's wife started coming to church. He, he, married his, he married that girl during that eight months. He was under conviction. And they started coming to, to church. I got Steve involved in our prison ministry. told me the other day he's baptized about 200 people in the name of Jesus in the prison. I... Uh, we, 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 we broke into a, we broke into a fire station up in North Caddo Parish and, and, uh, one of the guys came, one of the men in the church works there and he got his, he got somebody to come and he got baptized and, and the captain came to watch him get baptized and the captain was an old motorcycle gang guy. He was an alcoholic and he watched Colton get baptized and he said, when I walked in the door, I said something different about this place. And then the, then we baptized the captain and the captain's wife came to watch him get baptized. And she told me she wore very seductive, immodest clothing to church because she knew who we were and what we were. Guess what happened when she walked into the church and watched her husband get baptized? They were fixing to get a divorce, already made plans. And suddenly she walked in the church and she wrote a book. I read it. She's like, there's something different here. This is not like any other church I've been in. She got baptized the next week. She got the Holy Ghost. We baptized 17 people in that fire station. They asked Steve to be the chaplain of the fire department. They bought him a uniform. Steve will not be in our church on Wednesday night. He's at the firehouse. He's teaching the Bible studies that we are teaching at church. Why are you telling me this? I'm telling you this because there's a world of people out there that need Jesus and they're waiting on somebody to go another mile. I want to tell them about Verita, okay? I, you guys that were at conference, I told about Verita. We had two sweet ladies, Sister Bobby and uh, Sister Wanda, that were doing prison ministry for the women. And they met this lady named Verita. They could put her picture up there if they wanted to. I think I got it to them. And, yeah, there she is. That's Verita Roan. Anyway, they, they prayed her through in the prison. They baptized her in the prison, and she got the Holy Ghost. But she got out of jail, and she went right back to her old living. And she went back to jail. So they went back, found her again, prayed her back through. This time when she got out of jail, they were able to get her to church. Now, she's got a beautiful set of teeth there, but she had been on drugs for years. She hardly had any teeth. Her, her, her teeth were terrible shape. Harold Dean at home made her some teeth. That's what he does, what he did for a living. And he called her in and made her some teeth and gave them to her. She was precious. She told me after she had been coming a while, she said, Pastor, she said, I told God I don't want to go to that white honky church. 
I said, Verita, why didn't you want to come to church? She said, they ain't going to like my worship. Because she does the hand on the hip worship. I can't do what she did. She was amazing. I go. I had to start wearing my earbuds to the prayer meeting. But she prayed real loud. She was there before anybody got there, and she was the last one to leave every prayer meeting. She was amazing. She was constantly giving everything she had away. She said, "My dream is to get out of the ghetto." She didn't live in that terrible of a place, but she always said, "I'm going to get out of this ghetto one day." I'm going to get out. But at our first missions conference, after Brita started coming to church, uh, uh, I could tell you how she prayed. She prayed real plain. She prayed real plain. Like she had a boy named Richard, and she prayed like this. Now, God, I don't know what you're going to do with Richard, but I've talked to him. I'm blue in the face. He's going to get another girl pregnant, and I'm going to have another grandkid to raise. And if you don't do something, he's going to be back in jail. That's why I started wearing earbuds. Some of you can't even believe I said that. Well, how would you like to be in a prayer meeting with that going on with between her and God? But that first missions conference, she came in. She came in with a little sandwich bag. She hadn't been in the church but a few moments, minute, a few months. She didn't know what. She didn't know a lot about missions. She just heard us talking about missions conference, and she came in. And I happened to be over at the door on the west side when she walked in. She passed that. She came running, and she, that, that little plastic sandwich bag, one of those clear bags, she'd taken a Sharpie and wrote missions on the outside of it. It had a lot of money in it. And I'm looking, I said, Verita, how much money you got in there? She said, I got $1,200, Pastor. Where did you get that money? She was working two jobs to pay her bills. She said, I asked people for it. <laughs> Told them we were having missions conference. $1,200. One of our ladies invited her to her home shortly after she got in the church. At the end of her meal that evening, she said, Verita, what can I do to help you? Is there anything I can do? And Verita said, do you have a bathtub? Yeah, I have a bathtub. Could I get a hot bath tonight? Do you know how long it's been? She's been in prison for years since I had a hot bath. That was her. She was. That's the prison behind her that they found her in. Wanted to the Lord. I was up in Canada on vacation about three years ago. Oh, it's been about four probably. My daughter. We ran a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Phone rang. It was Charity, and Charity was on the phone. She was crying, and she said, "Daddy, I think Verita just got killed in a car wreck." Oh, I can't even tell that story. It just kills me. We loved her so much. She was a, she was a hero. Most of what we found out that she did for other people in the church, we found out after she died. It happened. I called. I said, she said, I'm not positive, Daddy, but I think I'm right. I called her best friend, Carolyn. Carolyn answered the phone. She was weeping and crying. I knew it was true. What happened, Carolyn? She had a blowout. Her tires were slick. A hundred people at the 
it, the, that our pastor would have bought Verita a set of brand new tires if we would have known that she needed tires. But we didn't know. My wife, we would have never told them. My wife would have been the, my wife and I would have been the first people. I would have taken her car to discount tire right by our church and said, here, put some tires on this car for this lady. But I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, that's why I like to preach to people to provoke them to go another mile. Because I don't want us to get up there to the judgment seat of Christ saying, we didn't know. Most beautiful funeral I've ever been to was Verita's. People came from far and wide. The TV station heard about it. One of the local TV stations came and set up their cameras, put a part of that funeral on their evening newscast, and she had said, I want to get out of the ghetto. That was her lifetime dream. I want to get out of this ghetto one day. And at the end of my sermon, I started singing address change notification. I'm moving to a brand new place. I wish I could still huck a buck. I can't huck a buck anymore. If I could huck a buck, I'd huck a buck. We're fixing to do communion in a moment. And we're going to consider what He did for us. The miracle mile is the second mile. He didn't have to walk that mile, Elder. Could have stayed in that garden. How do you know he didn't have to walk that mile? Because he said, I could call and my father would send 10,000 angels. Now, in my mind, that would have been a miracle. But that's not the miracle mile we needed. So he said, Not my will, but thine be done. And he went the miracle mile. Up that road with a cross on his back to the top of Calvary. Would you stand with me right now? To the top of the old rugged cross. Lift your hands right now. We're fixing to go to Nicaragua before I close. Brother Meyer asked if I would play this video I played from Nicaragua, Crusade Our Church sponsored. In the background, you'll see the Bible school that our sweet people at home gave the money to build. And many of our men went down and worked on that Bible school. You'll see the William H. and Mary Dean Bible School there. But let's go to Nicaragua before Brother Myers comes and leads us in communion. I want you to see what we talked about this morning. There are places in the world that are experiencing a first century church in the 21st century.
Let's lift our hands and our voices. Come on, let's rejoice for just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we lift our voices unto you tonight, oh God. We shout with the voice of triumph. You're our Savior, Lord. Oh, we magnify the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let everything that hath breath give praise unto Him. We're going to go the extra mile, God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We give praise and glory unto you, Lord. What a great God, what a mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Before we receive communion, we know the Word of God tells us where to examine our own heart. This is what I feel in the Holy Ghost, so I'm just going to tell you what I'm feeling. I feel like all of us need to examine our heart right now and see if we have a burden for lost souls. Lost souls in Palm Bay and Melbourne, lost souls around the world lost souls in our own families we don't have a burden I'm asking you to pray right now that God would give you a burden for the lost would you do that it's not enough to just be saved that's the first mile but the miracle is in the second mile come on we got to share the gospel with somebody would you pray right now and ask God to examine your heart and your own spirit Lord 
We come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you, God, to examine our heart. Examine our own spirit, oh God. Give us a burden like never before for the lost. Give us a burden, oh God, for those that don't know you. Oh God, we love you, Lord. But the only way we can demonstrate it, God, is to take this message to the four corners of this world. We thank you, God, for all that you've done. We thank you for the crusade in Palm Bay. But Lord, we're not satisfied, God, until you come back for this church, oh God. We want a burn for the lost, oh God. Give us a burn for those that we work with. Give us a burn for those, oh God, that we go to school with. Give us a burn in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to ask our ushers to come. We're going to receive this now in just a moment. Those of you that would like to receive communion on this Palm Sunday evening, time that we focus on triumphant entry of Jesus, everything about the ministry of Jesus was about healing, hurting people, reaching for those that were lost. That was what his ministry was. That's why they couldn't stop the crowds from shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. We receive of this supper tonight. We are saying, Lord, we recognize that if we truly want to be like you, we've got to fall in love with going the second mile. Thank you, Brother Dean, for such a powerful message. I want to be reminded again, we've got to go the second mile. We talk about being Christ-like. We talk about being disciples of Christ. We talk about trying to live our life according to the example that Jesus set. There's no greater way than to be able to pattern your life after Christ than to have a love for the lost. There's no place you'll ever be closer to the will of God than when you're trying to win somebody to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no way you can be closer to the heart of God than to be in love with the lost. you feel that in your spirit tonight? feel like it's a time of consecration. You're ready to receive communion. We're going to invite you to come down, gather down here in the front. The ushers are going to come back, and some of them will be down here right up against the altar area. Others may go out into the aisles, but if you want to receive, thank you, Brother Eddie. If you want to receive communion, we invite you just to come forward, press all the way down as, as much as you can. Those that are in the back, you can't get down to the altar area those of you that are in the back and the risers you want to come down maybe you can just get down here in the aisle we're going to have a great time tonight as we receive this communion we reflect back on this that the lord told us to do he said do it in remembrance of me oh hallelujah do it in remembrance of me aren't you thankful we serve a god hallelujah that tells us that we should mark these milestones and don't ever forget them so many things in life can steal your attention can steal your focus even steal your affections but i'm going to tell you one thing right now you can backslide proof your life if you make up in your mind i'm not ever going to love anything more than jesus christ you'll never backslide as long as you say lord i love you more than my spouse i love you more than my possessions i love you more than my hurt, my heartache, my job, any relationship. I love you more. If you love God more than anything, you'll never backslide. 
He'll keep you in the palm of His hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could sing like Brother Dean. I'd start singing, falling in love with Jesus. His brother Dan Dean was of the Phillips, Craig, and Dean. How many of you are old enough to remember Phillips, Craig, and Dean? His brother wrote that song. I've been singing it all my life. I choose to be a Christian. I asked Brother Dean, who was musical in your family, your mom or your dad? He said, neither one of them. They got some kind of music talent. I think it just comes from an overflow of a heart that wants to say, Lord, I love you with all of my heart. I remember years ago, we were on the east end of Palm Bay Road. First big revival we ever had, Bishop, you'll remember, was with Lloyd Buster. Some of you may not remember Lloyd Buster. You may know Morton Buster. This was his older brother. And I remember we witnessed and told everybody in the whole city that we could. God will heal you. God will save you. I'll never forget that revival. I'll never forget little old Lloyd Buster getting on that piano and starting to sing and play a song that he had wrote. I want to be a man after God's own heart. And he'd start playing that piano and you could just feel the love of God drawing people. I'll never forget in that revival one weekend we saw 40 people get the Holy Ghost and we've never went back from that point forward. What a joy it is to serve God. I'm so thankful I get to serve God with all of you wonderful people. Some of the best people on the earth, Brother Dean, are right here standing in front of us. I'm so thankful for Eastwood. But more than that, I'm thankful for the love of God. His love is the common denominator that brings us all together. I wonder right now if you'd pray before we receive this communion. And I wonder right now if you would just ask the Lord to just examine your own heart. Say, Lord, if there be anything in my heart, in my life, in my spirit that doesn't belong, I'm asking you, Lord, right now that you would cleanse me. Come on, would you lift your hands and your voice right now? Oh, God, we thank you for the price you paid on Calvary. We don't come to this point, Lord, and do this foolishly. We don't do it, God, without sobriety of mind and spirit. And oh God, we come right now and we say, God, we're not worthy, oh Lord. But oh God, we love you. We commit, oh God, to go the second mile. We commit to give everything unto you. You are great and greatly to be praised. There is none that is like unto you. Cleanse our heart and mind, oh God. Oh God, give us a love for the lost like never before. We rejoice, God, that you have conquered death, hell, and the grave. We rejoice, God, that you said not by will, but thy will be done. We'll never forget. We'll never forget, Lord. We'll never forget what you've done. We bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let's receive communion now. The wafer's on top. You pull that little cellophane back, it reveals the wafer, and then when you pull the tinfoil back, it'll reveal the drink. Let's receive it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
In the name of Jesus. In Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We rejoice in your presence, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for Calvary, Lord. We thank you for the victory of the cross, oh God. God, we thank you for the unity of the body of Christ that you have given us. I wonder right now if you just go ahead and find somebody you're standing next to. Let's pray together right now. I feel like God's given us a spirit of unity in this house. Why don't we pray for one another right now? Come on, are you thankful for the body of Christ? We just received communion to commemorate the body of Jesus. Come on, he's given us a church. We're part of the body of Christ. Come on, we're fitly framed together. Oh, Jesus. Come on, I need you. You need me. We need one another. Oh, that's in a threefold cord. It's not easily broken. Bind us together, oh Lord. Bind us together, oh Lord. Bind us with cords that cannot be broken. Don't let anything pluck us out of the hand of God. I thank you for my brother. I thank you for my sister. In the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I wonder if you give the Lord a wave offering. Come on, wave some palm branches unto Him. That's it, just take your hand now and begin to wave it unto the Lord. Some of you men may have a handkerchief. Wave it unto the Lord. Come on, it was a wave of thanksgiving. 
Come on, they would wave it unto the Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the harvest, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Thank you for your blessings, oh God. That's it. Get something in your hand. Wave it unto the Lord. You've been so good, Lord. You've been so good. You've been so good, Lord. You've been so good. Hallelujah, Jesus. out of darkness into glorious light. Amen. What a good God we serve. I want you to be thinking about some way you can go the second mile this week. Before you go back and before we're dismissed, I want you just to spend a few seconds and just get something in your mind that you can do right now. Just think about it for a moment. What can you do to go the second mile? just a minute I'm going to say one, two, three and I want all of you to shout out what you're going to do this week to go the second mile you ready? you don't shout out anything I'm going to know you hadn't even thought about it you know what you're going to do? alright here we go ready? one, two, three Woo! that all sounds good come on hug your brother and sister tell them you love them in the Lord God bless you we love you